The Daily Logos, Episode 10, Salt and Light. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Today we're going to continue working through the Sermon on the Mount, which teaches us how to walk with God. I will start with opening scripture, and then we'll pull that apart and try to give us a better understanding of what Christ is telling us. In Matthew 5, 13-16, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So the two things I want to focus on, we'll try to pull apart and fully understand, is salt and light. Now you read that and you're like, ah, I get the gist, and it's like, well... Not so fast. There's a lot of information in there. So let's dive into the original manuscripts first, and then we'll, we'll see if we can understand salt and light properly. So the original word used for salt in the Greek New Testament is halas. Halas is literally salt in some sense, yes, but in the context in which Christ is speaking, it's from a symbolic perspective. Salt in this sense is the state of agreement and harmony. What Christ is saying to his students is, you are the lasting agreement between God and man on my behalf, right? We're trying to facilitate the ministry of Christ. He also, he's also saying that you are the preservers of harmony between God and man on my behalf. Again, facilitating Christ's ministry. Because he wants us to. He, you, I think Christ used that analogy to let his disciples know that they are something like protection offered to others to prevent decay and corruption the same way salt protects and preserves food. This ties into the necessity of competence and accountability, as well as the importance of Christian service, Christian duty, and Christian responsibility. But the cool thing is, is that's not all that salt is in the original Greek meaning from the word halas. Salt is also wisdom and grace in relationship to speech. Now, in my mind, the way I keep it organized is wisdom is of the mind, grace is of the heart. So, we know that wisdom is like discernment, insight, sense, judgment, and knowledge, etc. Wisdom, again, if you read that description, you read the definitions, it seems to be centered in the mind. Now, let's read the definition of grace. Unmerited divine assistance offered to human beings for regeneration and sanctification. So, unmerited assistance, that to me comes from the heart. It's something akin to compassion. And the reason we show people grace is not because they deserve it but instead because we love them and care about their souls. We show grace for the purpose of growth and improvement. There's an element of hope in grace as well. When, when Christ gives us grace from repenting from sins, let's say, it's the hope in our improvement. It's the hope in our maintaining the course to bring Him honor and glory. Think about what the world would be like if everybody treated each other based on what they deserved. I mean, this place would turn into a bloody tyranny in no time. So I think it's, it's essential to understand wisdom and grace in our journey as Christians. Now let's take a break from the original Greek manuscripts and see what some commentaries say. Regarding salt, the following information is taken from David Guzik's commentary. Decide, this is, there's three things. Number one, disciples are like salt because they are precious. In Jesus' day, this was a valued commodity. Roman soldiers were sometimes paid with salt, giving rise to the phrase, worth his salt. Number two, disciples are like salt because they have a preserving influence. Salt was used to preserve meats and to slow decay. Christians should have a preserving influence on their culture. How beautiful is that? Incredible, perfect wording on his behalf. 
Salt must keep its saltiness to be of any value. When it is no good, it is trampled underfoot in the same way. Too many Christians lose their flavor and become good for nothing. That's a terrifying thing, but he's also 100% correct in that. Spiritual complacency can kill anybody. And if you want to study that, spiritual complacency or turning away from the plow or what the path of non-repentance leads, go read where Judas is at according to the book of Acts. Go see what Peter said about where Judas is at. The Bible says Judas is not in heaven. It says he's in hell. So let's not lose our saltiness. All right? Let's not lose our flavor. So the main the main takeaways for the salt metaphor seem to be something akin to Christ telling us to maintain our value, maintain our influence, and maintain our usefulness as disciples or Christian as followers while we're simultaneously excuse me while we are simultaneously accumulating godly wisdom and offering grace in relationship to our speech and of course for the improvement of others to bring more people to Christ. Now regarding light I want to go back into the Greek manuscripts and explain what light is from a biblical standpoint. The Greek word used in Matthew 5:14 for the word light is phos. Phos by biblical definition is truth and knowledge together with spiritual purity. Uh, that was just so brilliant when I read that. I was like, oh my goodness. But that's not all it is. Phos is also the power of understanding, especially moral and spiritual truth. Now let me be very clear. Walking in light is something that comes from diligent study and from the convictions of the Holy Spirit, or just the Holy Spirit himself revealing God's truth and knowledge to you within Scripture. So consider it something like this. God's blessing your hard work and your diligent commitment to reading his word. And he therefore, he therefore reveals his truth to you, which gives you knowledge that illuminates your mind. Right? So it's truth and knowledge together with spiritual purity. Okay? But here's the thing. Our capacity for light is limited by what we are willing to learn. The idea is, every day we should read a little bit of scripture, and our knowledge of God's truth grows along with spiritual purity, so then our light gets brighter. God is not the only one who brightens our light. We must participate in this process, of course. The spark starts when we are reborn, when we're born again, and when we understand that we are sinners in need of a Savior. When we are born again with a new worldview, that's what the apologists call it, then it's in that very moment that our light should be the dimmest. Every day we walk this planet, our light should grow brighter. God is willing to give you light, which again is truth and knowledge, together with spiritual purity. The purpose of this is so that you can be a light for others in a world of darkness, but that requires work. It requires effort. It requires discipline. It requires consistency. It requires dedication, and it also requires obedience to the Holy Spirit and His convictions. As your light grows, so will your ability to be the salt of the earth for Christ, helping protect the household of faith from decay and degeneration through accountability and teaching and wisdom and grace, all of the things that we discussed. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.